0: Welcome back to the health, well, and happiness podcast with your hosts, Bailey Graff and Natalie Bolin. where together we create a safe space that allows you to live your best life. This is a really great episode. Just a warning before you get into it. It does start out a little bit quiet, but it does get louder around five or 10 minutes into the episode. So just be aware of that going in. Um, it, it does get better.
1: Yes. And our guest today, I'm really excited about, loved recording this episode. Uh, Lynn Gallagher is a holistic facialist based out of Philadelphia. Her approach to beauty is to create a brave heart-centered space for restoration and healing, as well as to disrupt the standards in the beauty industry. And we get into a lot of this about like capitalism and marketing centered around skincare. And I think it's a really great convo. Um, As a facialist, her focus is fostering a person-first over a product-first mindset. With her background in various alternative healing modalities, a session with her feels stimulating, grounding, uplifting, and restoring simultaneously. And Bailey actually had a session with her, and I think she can agree with all that.
0: Yes, 100%.
1: She also prioritizes small, female-owned, transparent, raw whole, inclusive, accessible, and sustainable skincare. So she really tries to be all inclusive in slowing down your beauty routine. You tap into celebrating the ritual of rejuvenation over chasing perfection. And yes, we talk about our acne a little bit and how we ask the question, why is acne bad? Have you ever thought about that? I'm sorry. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's the point. It's asking these questions and kind of taking that back to like Joe's episode, like, why aren't we asking these questions? How can we ask these questions? And like, these are the questions that we're asking in this episode. Like they're really important ones that you aren't always thinking about. Like the ones that I had never asked myself until now. So it's a really good episode. It really makes you think. And um, I can say firsthand with my experience with Lynn, the facial was amazing. She takes a very well-rounded approach to get to know you and your skin specifically, because it's not a one size fits all approach, but before we get into the episode, real quickly, if you haven't already joined our email list, please do so. You're going to get some really great journal prompts, behind the scenes information. Um, you know the drill if you're already listening to the podcast. So if you haven't already, please join that list.
1: Yes. And we still have some HWH journals left. Please, if you want to support us or you need a journal to answer these prompts in, they are available uh, using the big cartel link in our bio in the show notes. Um, And they're 100% recycled, which is always really nice. Uh, And also, if you like this episode as much as I did, please leave us five stars because it helps us. What else can I say? Please.
0: (laughs) Pretty please with a cherry on top. So if you enjoy this episode, go give us a rating, go give us a shout out, say hello. We would love to see you over there. And without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Lynn Gallagher of Light Wellness. Yeah. So why don't we start there? I mean, obviously I got a facial with you a couple of weeks ago. I absolutely loved it. It was a beautiful, well-rounded experience with a ton of elements included, but for someone who hasn't had that luxury, why don't you go through and explain um, what your goal is with a facial and like with meeting someone new and talking about skincare, why don't you walk us through that process?
2: Well, I think it's really interesting that you use the word luxury, which you would think is just a marketing term. And that's to me what the general public thinks of a facial. And it's interesting that you were just asking that question kind of tongue in cheek, but that's the initial association with what I do. So that is right there what I wanna break down, the luxury aspect through my training and through what it is that I offer and the way that I truly live, it's adjacent to my philosophy, which is that of caring for yourself, the vessel that you operate and see the world through is not something that is a luxury. Unfortunately, though, it is a privilege to be able to take care of yourself. And many of my clients, myself, the lens that we live, the perspectives we live, the bodies we live in, don't always have the privilege to be able to access what we consider luxury. So my work is really about breaking that down and knowing that everyone, it truly, in my opinion, can have some access to that of which does bring you back to center, brings you back to groundedness. It doesn't have to just be self-care. It can be about soothing. It can be about readjusting, recalibrating. And through my work and a physical experience with me, you can then see, you can do these exact things for yourself and you can be your own advocate, your own conduit. You can be your own healer. You can do everything that I am able to do when you experience a facial on your own time and when it feels good for you and with whatever you have access to. And so for my experiences as a facial or when I'm teaching, I break it down to the bare minimum so you're able to say, I can actually do that. It's never something that you think, oh, that would be nice for me to have when I have my birthday or when it's my wedding or when somebody gifts me it or when I have some time or maybe when I find somebody who's more affordable. The conversation for me is about what do you need right now and how can I be able to service you the best so that you feel empowered to make decisions for yourself to feel really good every single day, not just when you're in the facial bed with me. That's my work. That's not being spoken about and people feel it, but it's only when you
0: experience a facial with me. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I did have the pleasure of experiencing that. And I can say it was, it was beautiful. And I feel like I learned from it and I could absolutely take things from it. So would you, like, aside from being um, in skincare and doing facials, I mean, would you consider yourself a teacher? Like, is that what you would consider yourself above all then?
2: Well, I teach myself. I'm a student myself. I'm a Mm -hmm. lifelong learner and I'm committed to mastery. So I don't think that I'm exactly a teacher in that I have all of this knowledge to share just yet. I think I'm still on the path of my own, gaining knowledge of my own skill set, but I feel confident to share what I know and what I've known has worked and what it is that my teachers have taught me and what their teachers have taught them through either experiences, history, research, things that are backed by science and data. So that's one part of it. But the other part of it is just in living my own truth. That is a lesson. It gives people the permission to say, I can do this for me too. And if I'm open to it, then I can also learn this. I can also understand this. I can also implement, it, implement this. So in that way, I am always teaching, but it's because I'm always learning, especially in the aesthetics field. There is so much to
1: learn. So how did you get to where you are today? Like, what was your skincare journey yourself growing up? And how did you get to this spot where you just want to teach everyone the proper way to care for yourself? And what teachers did you have growing up that brought you to this spot of still learning, but also now you're teaching? Well, I think all I needed
2: was somebody to spark something in me that I didn't know existed. And that's really what a teacher is in my eyes. And I come from a family of educators. So it's really interesting that I just have this tendency towards learning, gaining knowledge and then being able to give it back. Because for me, a really great teacher and at least in my experience is somebody who can learn something and then show it. And that's always what I aim to do in whatever it is that I'm doing. And it allows me to move further along both in my career, but in my personal life and in my personal growth. But to keep the answer short, I think that besides my mom and maybe a few other people, it was actually the lack of knowledge, experience, expertise that really drove me towards seeking out mentorship and seeking out more knowledge. And that's something that I really find is Key to me feeling aligned in my own life is when I am on the quest for knowledge or when I'm seeking more information. But more or less, this whole journey to where I'm heading, not where I'm at yet, is something that started probably when I was a lot younger, but didn't have knowledge for or the skill set for or even the wherewithal for until probably my late teens. So I remember specifically wanting to start to make my own skincare or beauty routines like out of things in the kitchen cabinet. So I would frantically run into the kitchen and grab coconut oil and sugar and turmeric and cinnamon. And I would just start mixing things up and I would put them in containers. I would fill up the fridge. And my mom was like, what are you doing with all of this? What is this experiment? And it was me just understanding what I liked or what I needed or what felt good for me. And so maybe in my late teens, like 19, 20, I met my mentor who I'm currently working for. And she is the person that certainly set me on the path of noticing what it is in my life that are certain patterns and how to break those patterns through implementing holistic alternatives and really tending to my own self and my own skin. Because I was and still am battling a lot of acne. And I was able to understand the deeper rooted causes for that through my mentor with Kelly. So for about a decade, she's somebody that I always returned to. I learned from, I worked with her brand. I started going to see her for facials pretty frequently. And she more or less was the person that told me to become an esthetician. And that's where I am, where I am now. And I'm still working with her. And I'm really thankful
1: for that experience. So you would say it was maybe like acne as the core to get you into skincare not necessarily
2: i think because i had always that's the thing i went i mean i went to to college i had this whole path set out for me and i was really dedicated to a certain framework and i was committed to doing that for a long time and it wasn't until i got out of college and kind of out of the muck of being a student for so long professionally did I realize I wanted something more out of my life, something that felt really good for me, something that brought me a lot of joy. And then I realized that thing would be skincare. Um, But why I even learned about skincare in the first place, you could say would be from my journey with my acne since I was a teen.
1: Yeah. I feel like Maybe similar, Bailey. Like that was what got me at least into my interest in skincare. I'm by no means no, probably nearly a thread of what you know. But it definitely has started my skincare journey as well.
0: Mm-hmm. and i
1: I can say the same for
0: me. And Lynn, when we were when you were um helping with my facial, we were talking a little bit about my journey with skincare and getting into like a more natural skincare. and, like one of my favorite skincare companies is Coco Kind. And mm-hmm. what you had said is it was probably like my intuition and my body that was pulling me towards these natural um, ingredients and natural companies, because that's like what my intuition was telling me that my body and my skin needed. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Like what's the, the body and mind, I guess, connection uh, with skincare? Mm. That's
2: a great question it would take a long time for me to really spell it out. I'm gonna break this down in a few ways. First and foremost would be when I talk about intuitive skincare, it's hard if you are overloaded with marketing that tells you you need the next thing, which could be acids, it could be retinol, it could be a dermatologist suggestion, it could be LED therapy, it could be laser therapy. When I say intuition, I mean the things that, if you were a child and you were experiencing these things, you would need an adult to tell you to soothe, calm, relax, take a breather. That's kind of the conversation I wanna be able to guide, but it takes some time and unlearning to get to that point. But for the sake of answering the question, if I've got it right, I would say that mind-body connection That's a lot, that's a loaded question. But in my approach, mindfulness is at the core of what I'm doing with whatever step of the facial or skincare experience you have with me from the initial consult to the facial itself, to you being in the room, to to the care that we're gonna provide for you after your facial, each part of those steps is done mindfully. And this allows for me to direct the conversation around exactly what you just asked, which is how do we direct this to mind body? And so what I see right now is a disconnection. It's disproportionate and society would have it. So privilege would have it. So capitalism would have it. So racism would have it. So where you think that this ability to take care of yourself From the skincare perspective, at least through my lens, you feel disassociated from that. You feel like you don't know how to go through that. You don't know what to choose because you're overloaded with information. And so this mind-body connection allows you to realize everything that I'm doing internally is gonna impact what I see externally and vice versa. There's a constant feedback loop and it's evolution, it's hormones, it's a bodily function it's the way that we're designed. And we're so distant from that because of what marketing says. It tells us we have to fix everything that we see. So for in my case, it's acne. And I'm told that if I don't have flawless skin, then I'm somehow not worthy. I'm somehow not beautiful. I'm somehow not valuable. I'm somehow perceived as less than. And that's just acne. So for me, it's about how do we break that down? Because that narrative is quite destructive. It's what perpetuates us being disassociated from our own ability to heal our own self. We don't need as much as we're being told that we need. And that's why I say I emphasize minimal skincare, minimal approach to beauty, because at the root of all of that, the minimal allows you to see and focus in on what it is that you are just in and of yourself without the infiltration of all of this marketing so you just hit a nerve with me i told you i can go off
1: (laughs) okay i love what you just said about acne and the like why does that matter why are you told that's not beautiful because i had that exact breakdown with um my boyfriend i was in my room i was really 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 torn up about my acne like really down on myself like to tears and embarrassingly so but i was just like i i was breaking out And I was like it was so good and then acne came back and it was flaring up and I was like I don't get why and then a couple minutes later I was like why is acne a bad thing like why I I asked the question because I was like I can't help it it's it's hormonal it's whatever is happening inside of me and I have no control over it and I love that you just there struck that (laughs)
2: You have to stay here, I'm gonna go off for a second. So I want you to know something. First and foremost, this is what my work is, which is skincare is not binary. And that's my feeling on the rest of the world in every aspect. We live in a such a binary world and that's a narrative that's driven literally by white supremacy and capitalism. And we live in a Western society which means we have access to everything. And if we have white skin, that means we have privilege to access every single thing. So we, of course, without knowing, are perpetuating this idea that binary is how we need to be living, which means good skin versus bad skin. And good skin looks like things that we see in the media. Bad skin looks like anyone else who deviates from that. And so in my eyes, inflammation, is really the root cause of all of the things that we would deem as quote unquote bad, which could be aging, it could be irritation, it could be acne, it could be eczema, psoriasis, stress, our lifestyle, our environment, chemicals we're consuming, things that are maybe out of our control contribute to this inflammation that we're seeing on our skin. It is so unfair that in our world, in our society, especially in the West, do we deem Acne and other inflammatory conditions on our skin to be bad because it completely dis- misaligns the experience of people who live with conditions on their skin. And to me, it's like otherism because there's a lot that goes into why somebody might be experiencing inflammation that could lead to acne. While it's genetic, it's also. Inflammatory conditions of our environment. And some of those things we cannot control. So, to put people on this kind of otherness and tell them they have bad skin is what's causing so many of my clients to do exactly what you just say, Natalie, to, to literally break down and cry on my treatment bed. And that happens so often. And it's a question I ask myself. And that's why I'm so passionate about breaking this narrative of binary thinking when it comes to skincare, especially. There's literally no such thing as good or bad. It's feedback that your body can give you to have you reassess what it is you need to bring either that inflammation down or reduce stress or maybe manage your hormones or maybe go through an elimination diet. There's many things you can do once you have information, once you educate yourself, once you learn about yourself, once you have that mind-body connection. So everything we just said is exactly what you just said, Mm -hmm. which is erase the binary when it comes to skincare.
1: I love it. And I think that then stems to, or relates to the capitalistic and marketing conversation because example the other day I just saw a commercial for like eczema and it was a medicine for it but the commercial in itself is showing someone that they have to hide it and wear long sleeves and can't be comfortable and like anyone with eczema now sees that and is like oh I have to hide my eczema or like it's not you know you don't want to show it you're embarrassed by it when I it is that it's like re rewiring how you think like you don't need to hide it it's People have conditions like rosacea, even like people will put makeup on top to cover the rosacea, but it is inflammation. There's a core thing. And yeah, the why is it bad? (laughs) Why should we be
2: embarrassed? I'll tell you why. Okay. So the answer to your question is exactly from this book that I had read late last year, beginning of this year. It's Clean by James Hamblin, Clean the New Science of Skin. So I really loved this and I even suggested it to a few of my clients because we have that level of relationship where I would say, hey, this is really beneficial. Check this out. So this whole idea of the binary, it stems back to history. It stems back to probably something that we have absolutely no control over. We just kind of lived this narrative for so long. So in terms of conditions on the skin, what I was reading and I don't want to misuse or miscommunicate the message that was used by James Hamlin. But what I gathered from this was this way of thinking in terms of quote unquote, this bad skin really comes from the idea that if a person was deemed unclean or unhygienic, that that person was essentially a carrier for pathogens or for bacteria or foreign infections that could potentially become viral and spread and become contagious and spread and cause essentially the death of communities. So when you break this down, what we essentially can maybe link this to is something towards say, for example, leprosy, where we see this in the Bible and these people were essentially quarantined and put away and people were afraid of them. And that's literally in the Bible and how we associated this person who had a skin condition to be somebody who was essentially a threat to our well-being. So break that down, because how did this to where we're at now marketing-wise get to be this way? It didn't just happen in a vacuum. It didn't just happen overnight. It's been repeat programming for probably longer than we could ever know, probably longer than what marketing traditionally now has ever existed to be in our humanity. So it really made me personally look at this and reframe how I think as a professional, but also as a person dealing with skin conditions, and as a person who deals with people who also have skin conditions. And I found this read to be pretty awesome. If you could go through it yourselves. I suggest it. It's really not too dense, but there is so much information that as a skincare professional, I really had to break down. Um, so yeah, it, it gives you some perspective. Definitely.
1: I love that. I love it. It's generational. It's like, yeah, it's embedded in us and we don't even realize it. And that, I mean, the leprosy thing that I think we all know that story and that right there is like, what. We're, we're, yeah, you know what I mean. I don't know. You just look back on that and you're like, well, that's so unnecessary, but we're kind of doing the same thing now by like looking at someone like, oh, they have acne. So,
2: exactly. So, that's I'm glad that you brought it up because it definitely will send me off on a tangent. However, it just more or less gives you the opportunity to have some inquisition around why it is that you associate your own experience and your own body with your own skin to be something that's bad. Who's, you know, who said that? (laughs) Who said that? It was something that's a construct that was just made up. And that's the same notion that the natural quote unquote skincare marketing scheme is also doing. It's just spreading information based off of little to no real research fact or data to support any of which has being said or marketed. So that's why A lot of discernment has come into play when I'm working with clients, but also in treating my own skin conditions, in working as a professional, in making decisions about skincare brands or partnerships, collaborations, because natural is just a word that has been used. So there's so much to really be done in terms of where we're at in the skincare industry, but I am hopeful for a better future within what we're doing right now.
0: Yeah. And it's great that we can break it down and ask these questions that we may or may not think about. I mean, I struggled with acne for a really long time too. And I never asked why is this a bad thing? I just believed that it was a bad thing. And then that like probably made my acne worse because I was stressing out about it. So kind of going off of this topic um, and and taking this into like the, the one product that fixes it all, like I struggled with going to the doctor and they would try to give me a topical or even like putting me on birth control as this like fix all, which obviously isn't solving the problem. It's just covering it up. Um, Like that feels like another issue with the industry too. It's like you're being marketed just like one thing that will fix your acne or fix um, anything. And like, that's not the problem and that's bad marketing. Right. Yeah.
2: I think that This is also one of those things that's more complex because, in my opinion, you certainly should have a dermatologist that you refer to to check skin conditions. I'm not a doctor, I don't treat disease or you know, cure conditions or prescribe medication or even have the ability to give a diagnosis. But in my training, I'm able to look a little bit deeper in terms of potential causes or even pathologies that I'm noticing or patterns that I'm noticing, especially when working with clients for a longer period of time. And in which case I refer people out. I say, maybe it's best that you talk to a functional medicine doctor, or you go to an endocrinologist, or you do talk to a dermatologist. There's only so much I can do in my professional scope. So it's irresponsible not to refer people back to other professionals. However, I do know in my experience with clients who truly have maybe had some bouts of Skincare conditions or skin conditions like acne or rosacea, eczema—some things that could t- potentially be temporary and a matter of just changing a few things around—they they could have been prescribed something that maybe for the long term was not best for what they needed on a very short term basis. Now, this isn't every single case, and it definitely is subjective to the individuals that I see but I do notice overall for people that have had experiences with dermatologist products, once their conditions are essentially balanced or maybe nominal to what they used to experience, then I believe it is a good time to say, let's reevaluate. Is it maybe more aligned with where you are right now to introduce products that are not as chemically, not necessarily harsh, but potentially a little bit more disruptive for your skin's health and your skin's barrier. If that's a goal of my clients, then we'll talk about it. If somebody really loves what they've been prescribed by a dermatologist, I don't necessarily say you have to change that. It's just where I'm going to meet you where you're at. If you're ready to make some changes, like for example, in your case, Bailey, where you said, I just know I've had a long time stretch." with different protocols from dermatologists to treat treat my acne. And I'm interested in trying something different. We will certainly guide you through that transition, but I don't really have a cold turkey approach. I think it would be irresponsible to do that, especially because I'm considering what other professionals and doctors, people who have degrees that I don't have, have recommended my client. And I really care about what's best for them and their skin and where they're at. So transition-wise, we'll have to dive a little bit deeper, which is why I have a pretty extensive intake form. I do a pre-consult before a facial. I always do a follow-up. And we certainly continue conversations anywhere from three weeks to a year or more out with clients, depending on what their needs are. And with the approach of what I do in terms of holistic care, it's not like what we find in conventional medicine, because we have to start to really understand pathology, causes, roots, what's happening systemically, what's happening locally. There's things that I can't answer. I need other professionals in my network to be able to direct my clients, to be able to understand what it is they need comprehensively. So that's the level of care I certainly want to provide for every person who comes through my my treatment room so that's why I think my clients tend to me to work for those things specifically I don't really have that one time luxury just here for a good time type of facial it's something where we're probably going to be working together for a long time and most of my clients have become pretty much lifelong clients at this point
1: I want to take a break from the episode to talk about gut health and our partner Seed Taking a daily prebiotic plus probiotic such as seed is vital for your microbiome health. Now, I'm not trying to curse you out, but there are trillions of microorganisms living in and on you right this second, which is called your microbiome. There is a clear link between your microbiome, your gut health, and your skin health. So taking a daily probiotic such as seed is crucial to aid all of these systems. But I need to remind you, not all probiotics are created equal, and Seed is one I know you can trust. For my own reasons, I take a daily probiotic to assist in my skin health. Seed's daily symbiotic includes a dermatological health blend of four strains that were clinically studied to promote skin health. Also, you know seed is going to make it where it counts because it is engineered to survive through your digestive tract with their Viacap technology. Uh, Fun little fact, (laughs) probiotics actually, most of them die before they even get to your stomach and seed, the fact that it gets to your digestive tract is proof in itself that it will make a difference when you take it. So definitely important to note. Uh, a bonus of Seed is their dedication and commitment to sustainability with a glass jar refill system. And they use all recyclable or biodegradable packaging. So there is zero plastic. One of the coolest things is the foam insulator packaging that protects each refill monthly shipment is completely water soluble. Solu- <laughs> can't say that word. Soluble and really fun. You can have a little science experiment, test it for yourself and take that protective foam layer that's inside your monthly refill shipment and dissolve it in water and watch it completely disappear before your eyes. The c formulation is vegan, gluten-free and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains. Now these strains are not found in your yogurt or fermented foods, and beverages. Plus, they live up to the highest standards of human and planetary health. There are no synthetics or chemical coating. And lastly, no refrigeration is required. These all sound like great things to me and what I look for in a probiotic, so amazing. To try seed for yourself, use the link in our show notes and code HWH at checkout to receive 15% off your month your first month. (laughs) I repeat, 15% off your first month with code HWH at checkout. You will receive free US shipping with every order, and you can cancel or skip a month at any time. But trust us, you won't want to after giving C to try. Okay, let's get back to the rest of the episode. I like that you said, I mean, there's a space for everyone, right? Professionals, holistic, natural, whatever it might be. There's a space for everyone. And there's a reason we have modern medicine and all these things. And it's just I like your approach to it where you do you kind of collaborate. It's you know, to me, it reminds me of a, a therapist and a, psycho- uh, a psychiatrist. Sometimes they'll talk if you have both, they'll talk to each other to see like, OK, this is where they're at, but this might be the medicine or whatever they need to take. Um, so that's a that's a healthy relationship. I like that. Um, I kind of want to get into like the product side of things, so do you mostly recommend natural or i know you said natural is like another term that is like heavily marketed but what kind of products do you recommend when they come to you what do you offer your clients and another question is like i've heard a lot of things uh when you make products at home like homemade face masks masks and all of that is the harm, potential harm they can create, and like they can become rancid really fast, and bacteria, and I'm like, do I even want to get into that? Because I kind of want to leave that to the professionals.
2: (laughs) Oh, this is a funny topic. (laughs) I'm not laughing at you, I'm just laughing about things that I've been consuming in terms of content or research. The skincare industry is bananas. It's just bananas. People you know, think like, okay, I would love to be able to do things by myself, but oh, if I do that, I'm, this is what they think I'm going to cause bacteria. That's going to harm me. And it's going to, first of all, I say this to all of my clients, if they're ever in this trance about skincare, I'm like, please take a step back and breathe. I need to remind myself that, but you are overloaded with information that was not even available only a decade ago especially now with the quote-unquote clean beauty. So when I think about how to approach the physical product, it's so individualized. And I would say that 90% of my clients have experienced that with me where they might even get annoyed because I don't give them direct answers. And whilst that may not be what's deemed the acceptable thing to do in terms of sales as a business. It's just the way that I operate. I've told clients, step away from the shelf. You don't need anything here. You actually need to go home and do absolutely nothing. And so I fall somewhere in the moderate section of how I use skincare So whilst I've tried literally everything and I love to try new things, I also know I will easily overload my skin. And if I'm doing that, chances are all of my clients are doing that. Very rarely do I find someone who's got the approach that is simply just supporting their skin. It's more or less that they're doing way too much that's causing overall disruption to their skin's health and barrier. So I always break it down. The number one thing that I focus on is balance. We first need to address what it is happening in your lifestyle, what your budget is, what you, you've done in the past, what you're currently doing, the season we're in, what, what it is that you're drawn towards. There's so many factors that go into how I decide what we're going to do in terms of products. But if I have to break it down to the simplest things, I always say we're going to approach this with balance in mind first if you used way too many actives or if you're coming from a long stretch of using conventional skincare or you've worked with dermatologists for most of your adult life or if you have literally no routine, we have to start somewhere and it's always about what's going to benefit the function of your skin as a system. How, How will this impact your health overall? Now, for me, I will always come back down to the four basics, which would be, cleanse, tone, protect, and then moisturize in terms of like SPF, serum. There's many ways to approach it. But if I'm starting with somebody for the first time, we only do one product at a time. But if we are really trying to achieve something quickly, strategically, and for the long term, I'm going to use four different products. And it would be the most basic things My teaching through my mentor would be in terms of, quote unquote, natural. If you cannot eat it, it shouldn't go on your skin. But that is not currently what I am doing. And that's because I have some concerns that alone, I found that certain things I was using, just herbs, were not really impacting, specific to my acne. So most of my routine is literally things I can eat. The rest of it is things that I cannot make at home. And as far as it goes for a do-it-yourself, I would say it's nice to experiment. With guidance, you can do it. With strategy, you can do it. But I would not go willy-nilly into the kitchen and just start whipping things up.
1: Yeah, that's what I heard is like you kind of want the guidance um, when you're making masks because you don't know the proper measurements. And it is a science. I mean you're combining two things to do something. And to me, that's like a science in in itself.
0: Yeah. I used to just put straight up baking soda on my face and I had like an old blog that I used to put my like face mask recipes up there. (laughs) That was one of them. And I don't think that was benefiting me, but another trend that I had been seeing last year that I also saw people Um, coming at it from both directions, but people were making their own SPF. And what they were saying with that is if you're making your own SPF, you don't know what uh, number is, is SPF a number? I guess that's the, um, but you don't know like SPF 70, like, are you making SPF two? Like you have no idea if you're creating that on your own. So that's kind of another good question because I think SPF right now is a little bit controversial and people are they don't know if they should wear it all the time because people are saying that or they don't know if they shouldn't be because then they're not gonna get vitamin D and they're gonna be depressed. What is your opinion on that? So this is another one that could potentially cause me to
2: spiral. So what I'll say is, again, I fall somewhere in the moderate category where I use sun protection and I make sure that I do it daily, but I also don't overuse it and I don't rely on it in terms of the physical product. So whilst it's recommended through the Skin Cancer Foundation, through dermatologist recommendations, through my professional recommendations, your skin absolutely should be protected from harmful rays from the sun, UVA, UVB. So broad spectrum SPF is necessary in any routine, especially to stop signs of aging, photo damage, environmental stress, oxidative stress. It's so important to wear SPF, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. But also SPF is a sun hat. SPF is a t-shirt. SPF is a tent. SPF is a driving glove. SPF is not always a physical product. No, you should probably not make SPF at home. While I do believe that there are benefits to some herbs that could occur in nature or historically have, known, have been known for their SPF factors, that is very possible. If you're a person who's a cosmetic chemist, or if you're somebody who has extensive knowledge on herbs, then you should potentially be making your own SPF at home. But for the rest of us, myself included, that's not something I'm gonna be doing anytime soon. So I think that I have a moderate approach. You can definitely and should definitely be using SPF daily. I suggest it for my clients mostly that you do it for the parts of the day that you are in the sun the most. You have the most activity and the sun is at its peak. So around noontime, maybe right before noon and maybe mid-afternoon into the early evening, maybe in like the summer months and the spring months right now, where the sun is is pretty strong throughout the afternoon part of the day. That's where you should be applying your SPF. I know this is a controversial topic and I want this to be known. I will get probably backlash for this, but I just will voice it in my opinion that it can be overused. It can be causing some, again, chemical disruption depending on what type of skincare or type of SPF you're using. And you certainly can do SPF in many different ways. So 30 minutes before you go out at the highest points of the day, and reapply every two hours after. You should be using two ounces worth. And I like to measure that out on my middle finger and my ring finger. So SPF goes down both lengths of my middle and my ring finger. And I'm applying it everywhere that my, this, the sun is gonna touch my skin in the day. So as of right now, where it's definitely not as hot and blazing and I'm probably not out all day long, I'm probably just gonna do my neck, my ears, and my face. In the summertime though, I'm gonna be applying everywhere because I'm gonna be staying out longer. I'm gonna be at the beach. My skin's gonna be exposed. I'm gonna have less clothing on. I'm probably not gonna be wearing a hat every day. I'm certainly not gonna be wearing gloves and jackets. Though That's when I'm gonna probably put on a little bit more SPF. And I prefer it in many different forms. You can get it through chemical or mineral. I prefer both. I prefer powder, I prefer mist, I prefer spray bottle, pretty much anything. And I think that we also need some time away from chemical sunscreen. So I'm, like I said, I'm somewhere moderate slash in the middle. Other people will say 24 seven, seven days a week while you're inside, while you're on Zoom, you'll be getting harmful rays from your, from your lights on your screen. I'm not at that level. Whilst I respect it, I don't personally use SPF that much.
1: That's kind of where I'm at. I was that person to be like, oh, you got to wear it every day inside because there's things coming through the windows and all this stuff. But now I've kind of tamed back. Um, can I ask what SPF you're using right now?
2: Oh, I have so many. It depends on the day. <laughs> love, I've, I've worked um, from a brand perspective with Supergroup. I love Supergroup. I think it offers so many different options for so many clients, clients of color. Clients with different skin conditions, clients with makeup or no makeup. I love Supergoop. I think that it is a really awesome line of, of SPF. But I've been using Hanawa Skincare, which is a Hawaiian brand, and that's strictly a mineral SPF. Then I use Kula, which I currently have at Parlor, and I love Kula. I use the spray, I have SPF for my lips, um, SPF in my skincare, SPF in my foundation from Ilia. So like I said, I'm getting a lot of different options for skincare. I'm not using them all at the same time because there is no benefit to adding on X amount past 50. And that's one of the myths that I like to debunk a little bit. And I think Bailey touched on it. Like, how do I know how much I'm using? pretty much past 50, there is not much evidence to support that you're getting any more benefit as if it was just 50. So SPF, sun protection factor, when it's broad spectrum, it's helping guard against the harmful rays of UVA slash UVB. And it potentially is helping mitigate some of the issues that would occur with prolonged sun exposure in terms of what happens at the DNA level. So 30 essentially just means you're 30 times able to longer stay in the sun than if you did not have any sunscreen on. So if you're SPF 50, you're just 50 times longer able to stand the sun without burning than you would with no sunscreen. So if for Natalie, you have a fairer skin tone and you burn in two minutes, Times fifty is how much time you would have in the sun before essentially you would have to reapply before you start to get those sun burn, sun redness, poison, anything like that. And I don't think that's something that is known in the general population about sunscreen.
1: No, so, I yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you might
2: not get any benefit, and you know my my sister is pretty fair skinned, and she actually did. Come across a bout of um, uh, basal carcinoma, which was pretty much in the dermatologist's office, removed from her, which is just a form of essentially skincare that could potentially most likely likely be harmful. But her continued exposure could cause her some tr- troubles down the line. So she's somebody who would be wearing literally SPF 70 or 100 every single day, all the time, and still had this run-in with skin cancer. But there was no evidence to support that her using 100, uh, SPF 100 only one time in the day was helping her. You would need to essentially be reapplying all day long and then using other types of sun protection. Hats, light clothing that's covering your skin, sitting under a tent if you're at the beach, you know, th- things like that. If you are somebody who does have fair skin, is prone maybe to skin cancer in your family, there is certainly a need for Staying safe from the harmful rays of the sun. There's no doubt about that. But like anything else in skincare, there's certainly a way to overdo it and a way to do it without understanding or without education.
1: Yeah, I am that person who's on the beach under a tent and my friends might laugh at me. And I also might be the pain in the ass that is like, guys, we have to rent an umbrella because I burn in two seconds.
2: <laughs> do it. If you know that's you, then you, you have to do it. And <laughs> that's so true. Yep. Yeah. Wear your SPF. Stay safe from the harmful rays of the sun.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, I hate going to the. Be- I love the beach, but I also hate it because I will use the SPF 50 or whatever, and I have to reapply. What seems like every 30 minutes, like it's yeah. so fast. And I'm like, yeah, oh.
2: <laughs> that is certainly you. And and like I said, anybody can be subjected to the harmful rays of. Sun, regardless of your skin tone. So that's why across the board, it's necessary to use UVA, UVB protection. When I was first evaluating SPF and sunscreen from the you know professional perspective early in the pandemic, I was listening to dermatologists who suggest that you should be using it inside because some of the blue light that's emitted from your screens can be potentially deeper and more harmful to your skin. And I was like, oh my gosh, that means I need to sit inside all day long and make sure I have sunscreen on. And I took a step back and I was like, okay, how long am I really on the computer? Am I, and you know, how how long am I in the sun near a window in the day? What is, what do I need to weigh here to be able to make an informed decision? A lot of what I see in terms of marketing is really fear-based which is another thing that has to be broken down because you can definitely go d- dive deep into feeling really afraid of something like UVA, UVB, the same way that you can feel afraid about chemicals in sunscreen or chemicals in skincare, or the same way you could feel about retinol and different ingredients. So you definitely have to have discernment, which is why it's so important for me to educate. Because if you don't have this knowledge or nobody to tell you, like, here's really what's got to happen in order for you to make informed decisions, then you're going to be lost out there. The world of skincare is really challenging because it's so broad. It's so vast. There's no one agreement for most things. And it's so hard as a consumer to understand what
0: your place is in a world that's just telling you all different things. Yeah. Yeah. With that, um, I mean, obviously there is so much confusion that can be coming with that. Um, especially when you're seeing like something say one thing and then someone saying the complete opposite. Like, what's the number one, or maybe not even number one, but what's a misconception that you see a lot, or maybe you see clients uh doing something that is like a big no-no? Like, do you see something more often than not that you'd like to share? I'm laughing right now because my immediate
2: response is just gonna be TikTok to be honest, it's TikTok at this point. Now, again, I'm definitely a millennial. So my clients are either millennial or in this case, honestly, a bit older. So I don't have many people that are not millennial. Um, but for like, again, my clients that are of different generations, even, even they are like, oh, I, I saw on TikTok and I'm like, where is this going to go? Because Not only does Instagram, Pinterest, blogs, people who are influencers getting paid to just talk about different brands that they don't even know anything about, that's really perpetuating this vicious cycle, in my opinion. However, it's completely, unabashedly in our life that we we just have no filter from it. We have no guard from it, no shield. We are just always subjected to this information that may or may not be true. And how the hell do we discern what is right or wrong if we have no true belief or no true education or no true agreement on terms of what we actually need to be doing? So the trend that I see the most right now on TikTok and what people see and tell me they hear on TikTok is acid overusing acid. And there's this one brand whose name I will not disclose, but it is an affordable brand. And it is a brand that you see in Sephora, and it is a brand that has every single existing, singular ingredient of acid that you could possibly find in any skincare at a much lower price than what you might find in some of the higher end brands. It's being completely overused in my opinion, And it's being completely misdirected because it's most likely coming from what people see on TikTok. I don't even have a TikTok, so I don't know this firsthand. It's only because I hear it so often that so-and-so posted on Instagram or on TikTok this video about this acid that they're using from this brand. And I had people come to me with burns on their skin and they literally said to me, I think I burned myself or I think something happened because now every time I apply something, my skin is burning or it's itching or it's red or it's peeling and I feel uncomfortable. And I feel like my skin tone changed because it's really red and it's deep and there's scars. Yeah, because you burned yourself. (laughs) You were using acids that you weren't supposed to, which you can laugh at and you think, oh, that's so silly. Of course, I wouldn't do that. Yes, you would. If you are subjected enough times in one day to the same marketing from a few thousand people who are getting paid to influence or market these specific ingredients or these specific brands, you're going to buy it. You know you are. You can't help yourself. You have no decision. You, you have no power over that marketing. And so I have to stop people and say, listen, take a breath, drink some water, calm the F down. That is not for you. And that will never be for you. And you definitely need to stay away from it. And at this point, give it away, sell it on Facebook. I don't care what you do with it, but it's just not for you. And that's okay. Let's readjust and guide this conversation for something that's a little bit more supportive and that makes sense for your skin, that's not stripping it and essentially killing all the good cells that are left on your skin by just use, overusing
1: these acids. I think I know what you're referring to, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've seen it everywhere and I had to think about it. I was like, do I trust this? And the fact that it's so cheap kind of terrified me. So I was like, mm, maybe I shouldn't. Um, yeah. but at an acid for listeners who may not know, are you referring to AHAs BHAs? Is that like an example? Yes. Okay. And I think
2: that it, like I said, I, I fall again in the moderate category. I use different types of acids in my skincare routine. Now I've gone through places where I've used none whatsoever. And I found that whilst my skin felt breathable and and healthy and happy, there was also some underlying issues that I personally want to work on in terms of my acne, where a little bit of acid was necessary. And so I've gotten my own professional guidance from people in my network who were senior to me, who have more knowledge and experience and education that are able to tell me this is good. This is okay. This is okay for you to use. And if, th- if you use this in moderation, you know, with a little bit more cautiousness, you'll be fine. Here's when you get into the danger zone. When you add lactic acid and glycolic acid and salicylic acid and retinoic acid and absorbic acid, all of these acids that essentially are just competing with each other at a cellular level, that's when it could become challenging. And whilst I love and do use acids in many different forms. They can also occur naturally in papaya and bromelain, which is pineapple. They can occur naturally, which can be helpful for your skin. Honey has enzymatic qualities that acts like the way that similar or adjacent to things that you would see happening with your traditional acid in conventional skincare. So you can approach this in many, many ways. And so that's why I, always work with clients for an extended period of time. They're, I rarely, and I told Bailey, I rarely get a client that it's their first time and only time. And rarely do I get a client where it's just an hour facial. People will see me for an hour and a half to two hours and their preemptive work leads up to the facial. And then there's always post-treatment work that needs to be done, which is why we go in depth with what I do which is why my work is not just a superficial service.
1: Mm. Uh, love that. Uh, I would. This is why I can't wait to get a facial with you. I feel yeah. like we just talk all day. Um, another thing that I see a lot right now is anti-aging. It is everywhere, it's everyone's rage. But is there is there such a thing, I know like acids are meant to be, like one of the things is anti-aging do products actually help reduce fine lines or like what are your where's your stance on that i guess
2: so i love the approach to anti-age i think that we're more or less in my world spiraling around the word anti-age so there's probably something that i could use that would be a better way to describe how i feel about aging i haven't come across a word yet if you if you find one that you like. Please send it my way. But anti-age, let's call it that. You can definitely approach anti-age from a product perspective. And I would say it's what I'm doing right now, taking care of my skin and making sure that I'm using ingredients that are helpful towards the health of my skin is essentially anti-age in and of itself. I don't mean anti-age as in retinol or lactic acid or peels or laser or any other thing that would be traditionally or conventionally considered anti-age. Anti-age is both lifestyle can definitely, and my, honestly, the fun part is for me, discovering different products that work for anti-age benefits. So for me, probably the more realistic beneficial way to approach skincare as from an anti-age perspective would be about reducing environmental damage to the skin. And that's through using antioxidants, vitamin C, of course, vitamin D, vitamin B complex, um, omega-3 fatty acids, astaxanthin. I mean, I can literally name a thousand that I would really love to dive deeper into. And I would defer back to professionals in my network who can certainly give you more information from a cosmetic chemist perspective or an herbologist uh, or an herbalist perspective. But I definitely believe that anti-age can be, A multifaceted approach. And I love that conversation because essentially it's about managing inflammation. If we just dumb it down to what it it is at its very, very core, it's just managing inflammation, managing stress, managing things in our lifestyle, the longevity perspective. And in the West, anti-age is so important because of how much we're doing to essentially create this stress and damage on the long-term places in the East, potentially Europe have the ability to approach anti-age a little differently because their lifestyle is all about longevity, especially like in blue zones in the world. If you look at them and study them, they're not potentially using the way that skincare, the way that we are, because their lifestyle is that of vitality and longevity and essentially is anti-age. So you asked me for a product and I feel like I'm not able to give you a direct answer.
1: <laughs> of course. That's okay. I, um, I've also heard like sunscreen, the sun is the most aging. Uh... That, is, that is correct. Okay. So there's a little tip.
2: Yeah. 90% of sun, da- uh, 90% of aging comes from sun damage that's directly related to sun exposure you are correct. 10% is hereditary and lifestyle. You can certainly make sure that you mitigate some of the factors that would cause you to age by reducing your exposure to the sun. And of course, making adjustments to your lifestyle. That is the answer to (laughs) anti-age.
0: Yeah. And that's, I remember when I got my facial with you, I I think you were like putting something on my skin and I, I told you like something that I'm concerned about right now is fine lines. And I said, are you doing anything to like help my fine lines or like, what can I do to help my fine lines? And you said, hopefully all of this will help your fine lines. Like just coming at it from that very like holistic, well-rounded, um, idea and it it hopefully works. Um, can we talk a little bit about the connection between the lymphatic system and your skin? Totally.
2: So I'm still diving deeper into this as a professional and of course it's been touched on throughout my training if you're thinking more or less about what purpose the lymphatic system serves of course it's working within the the circulatory system and therefore when you think about how important blood is and free-flowing blood in terms of traditional chinese medicine qi energy flowing freely lymph plays a huge part in this, in that it's our body's first line of defense against pathogens, infection, viruses, and essentially keeping our lymph healthy can better then able us to be prepared to fight off any environmental pathogens, stress, etc., cetera, et cetera, Now, what I was saying, however, on at least the skincare level, or skin health level is that we are just more or less so overwhelmed especially amidst the pandemic where we've completely transformed the way that we live which means we're sitting we're probably not exposed to the sun as much we're probably not getting enough activity we're probably doing things that are more inflammatory like drinking more eating more indulging more which is all a symptom of what happens when you are chronically stressed overwhelmed or experiencing trauma, which is really what we have gone through collectively and individually. So our lymph essentially is getting stagnant and our lymph is not supported by a pump like our circulatory system in that it has the heart. The lymphatic system does not have this organ to pump fluid throughout us, which means it can get stuck, which means then we are more likely to experience, whether that be pain, discomfort or anything worse, like infection or disease or other conditions. So I would be irresponsible to say that I know a lot or enough to explain this from a perspective of that of a doctor or um, a naturopathic doctor or holistic doctor. But I do know for certain that it is coming to be something that is quote unquote trending. But As of the last few decades, it's really become an important body of work. And it specifically started, especially with manual lymphatic drainage around cancer patients. So working with the lymphatic system to clear it up, to help create more fluidity, more flow, healthier lymphocytes to help protect us against pathogens and infections has become at the forefront of a lot of what professionals in my network are focusing on. And it is something that I, intended on going further and advancing in in my career and education pre pandemic. But of course the pandemic had different plans. So some of what I had lined up in terms of education had been put on pause. So I'll certainly be back to that but I hope that gives you some snapshot of it. Um, But I have tons of references that I can certainly send to you that would be worth investigating if you're particularly interested in the lymphatic system
0: Yeah. I think that would be great. And like I said earlier, we can definitely put those in the show notes. So if listeners want to delve into their own research as well, we can definitely do that. So to round things off here, Lynn, how do you live your best life? Kind of a loaded question. It is. And I
2: think I'm an evaluation of it every day. I think I live my best life when I feel aligned In my purpose in my mission in my intention and in my work my actions my behaviors my thoughts and when i readjust my attitude when i think of what my bigger purpose is or my mission or the impact i want to have and when i take the steps necessary towards that i feel like that's my best life and my best life would definitely include some really juicy skincare and probably a facial.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: I'm not going to lie.
1: Uh, so, where can our listeners find you? What's your IG handle? What's your website? How do you want to promote yourself?
2: Everything is LGHT wellness. So, it's light wellness without the eye on Instagram and on my website. And as for now, those are the only media, I am exploring. <laughs> That's
1: great. It's where your market is. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And for listeners who maybe aren't in the Philly area, can't experience a facial with you directly, you do virtual facials as well, right?
2: Correct. Either virtual facial or virtual lesson. I also do skincare consultations and I always am open to just chat. I do collaborations every now and again, which pop up on my Instagram or my website where people can find me and join in. And I would love to have some new faces in my network. So please feel free to talk to me. I always want to hear what's happening in people's worlds.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and having these conversations with us. Um, It has been a pleasure to work with you and I hope to see you again and get another facial so we can kind of um, experience the next step in my skincare routine too. But thank you so much for being on the podcast.
2: Thank you, Bailey. Thank you, Natalie. It was so good for having me. I hope to see you both soon when you feel safe and happy and ready. Yes. (laughs)